Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 56, verses 30 through 34. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told him all things, both what they'd done and what they'd taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Burkett notes, Observe here, one, how the report of John's death, being brought to Christ, he presently withdraws, and his disciples with him, from that place into the desert. Christ will not long continue his presence in those places where any of his servants are slain, and others of them are in danger. Observe, too, how our Savior, upon the notice of John's death, flies into the desert for his own preservation. His hour was not yet come, and therefore he keeps out of Herod's way. It's no cowardice to fly from the rage of persecutors. Christ himself both practiced it and directed his disciples to it, saying, when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. We must not expose our lives to hazard, but when the laying down of our lives will do God and religion more service than we can do by living. Observe 3. With what condolency and sympathizing pity our blessed Savior exercised acts of mercy and compassion when the objects of compassion were before him. Jesus, seeing the multitude, was moved with compassion towards them. Christ, when here on earth, did bear a tender and compassionate heart towards poor creatures in distress and misery, and to our comfort he retains the same compassionate nature and disposition now in heaven which he had here on earth. Observe 4. The ground or cause of this compassion in our Savior, because they were as sheep having no shepherd. Learn, thence, that the case of such people is very sad, and their condition to be much lamented and pitied who are destitute of able, faithful, and conscientious pastors and teachers to feed them with spiritual food of the word and sacraments. Where provision fails, the people perish. But was the Jewish church now without pastors, as sheep without a shepherd? Had they not the Pharisees, the scribes, and doctors to teach and instruct them? Yes, no doubt, but they were no pastors in Christ's account, being unfaithful pastors. Thence learn, that idle, negligent, and unfaithful pastors are no pastors in the sight of God and in the account of Christ. Jesus had compassion on the multitude because they were as sheep having no shepherd. Verses 35 through 44. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves. 
and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Burkett notes, This miracle of our Savior's feeding five thousand men besides women and children with five loaves and two fishes is recorded by all the four evangelists, and in the history of it, these following particulars are observable. Note 1. The disciples' pity towards the multitude, who had long fasted and wanted now the ordinary comforts and supports of life. It well becomes the ministers of Christ to respect the bodily necessities, as well as regard the spiritual wants of persons. Observe 2. The motion which the disciples make to Christ on behalf of the multitude. Send them away that they might buy victuals. Here was a strong charity, but a weak faith. A strong charity in desiring the people's relief, but a weak faith in supposing that they could not otherwise be relieved but by sending them away. Forgetting that Christ, who had healed the multitude miraculously, could also feed them miraculously if he pleased, all things being equally easy to an almighty power. Observe 3. Our Savior's strange reply to the disciples' request. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Need not depart. Why, the people must either feed or famish. Vittles they must have, and a dry desert will afford none. Yes, says Christ to his disciples, give ye them to eat. Alas, poor disciples, they had nothing for themselves to eat. How then should they give the multitude to eat? When Christ requires of us what we were unable to perform, it is to show us our impotency and weakness, and to provoke us to look upon him and depend by faith on his almighty power. Observe 4. What a poor and slender provision the Lord of the earth has for his household and family. Five barley loaves and two small fishes, teaching us that these bodies of ours must be fed, but not pampered. Our bellies must not be our master, much less our God. The end of food is to sustain nature. We must not stifle it with a gluttonous variety. And as the quality of the victuals was plain, so the quantity of it was small. Five loaves and two fishes. Well might the disciples say, what are these amongst so many? The eye of sense and reason sees an utter impossibility of those effects which faith can easily apprehend and divine power more easily produce. Observe 5. How Christ, the great master of the feast, does marshal his guests. He commands them all to sit down in ranks, by hundreds and by fifties. None of them reply, sit down, but to what? Here are the mouths, but where is the meat? We may soon be set, but when or when shall we be served? Not a word like this, but they obeyed and expected. Lord, how easy it is to trust to thine providence and rely upon thy power when there is corn in the barn, bread in the cupboard, or money in the purse. But when our stores are all empty and we have nothing in hand, then to depend upon an invisible bounty is a true and noble act of faith. Observe 6. The actions performed by our blessed Savior, he blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and they to the multitude. 1. He blessed them, teaching us by his example never to use or receive the good creatures of God for our nourishment without prayer and praise never to sit down to our food as a beast to his forage. Two, he break the loaves. He could have multiplied them whole. Why then would he rather do it in the breaking? 
perhaps to teach us that we may rather expect his blessing in the distribution of his bounty than in the reservation of it. Scattering is the way to increasing. Liberality is the way to riches. 3. Christ gave the bread thus broken to his disciples, that they might distribute it to the multitude. But why did our Lord distribute the loaves by his disciples' hands? Doubtless to gain respect to his disciples from the people. And the same course doth our Lord take in spiritual distributions. He that could feed the world by his own immediate hand chooses rather by the hand of his ministers to divide the bread of life among his people. Observe 7. The certainty and the greatness of the miracle. They did all eat and were filled. They did all eat, not a crumb or a bit, but to sate he in fullness. All that were hungry did eat, and all that did eat were satisfied, and yet twelve baskets full of fragments remain. More is left than was at first set on. It's hard to say which was the greatest miracle, the miraculous eating or the miraculous leaving. If we consider what they ate, we may wonder that they left anything. If what they left, that they ate anything. Observe 8. These fragments, though of barley loaves and fish bones, must not be lost, but at the Savior's command gathered up. The liberal housekeeper of the world will not allow the loss of his orts. Oh, how tremendous will their account be, who, having large and plentiful estates, spend them upon their lusts, being worse than lost in God's account. Verses 45 through 52. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethesda, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into the mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Burkett notes, This paragraph acquaints us with yet another miracle which our Savior wrought in walking upon the sea to his disciples. And herein we have observable, 1. His sending his disciples to sea. He constrained them to go into a ship, not compelling them against their wills, but commanding them to take the ship and go before him. No doubt the disciples were loath to do this, unwilling to leave him and to go without him. For they that have once tasted the sweetness of Christ's company and acquaintance are hardly and difficultly drawn away from him. Observe, too, Christ, having dismissed his disciples and the company, retires into a mountain to pray, to teach us that when we address ourselves to God in duty, we take all helps, furtherances, and advantages for the doing of our duty. We must dismiss the multitude before we address to God in prayer. We must send away the multitude of worldly cares, worldly thoughts, worldly concerns, and business when we would wait upon God in duty. Observe 3. The great dangers the disciples were in and the difficulties they were to encounter with. They were in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the winds were contrary. And which was saddest of all, Christ was absent. The wisdom of God sometimes suffers his children and people not only to be distressed, but greatly distressed 
with a variety of distresses. Observe 4. The seasonable succor and relief which Christ afforded his disciples. In the fourth watch, he came out unto them, walking upon the waters. It was not a stormy and tempestuous sea that could separate betwixt him and them. He that waded through a sea of blood and a sea of wrath to save his people will walk upon a sea of water to succor and relieve them. And the time was the fourth watch, about four in the morning, when they had been many hours conflicting with the waves and in great danger of their lives, to teach us that Christ sometimes lengthens out the trials of his children before he delivers them. But when they come to an extremity, that is the season of his succor. Observe 5. How the disciples took their deliverer for their destroyer. When they saw Christ, they cried out. Their fears were highest when their deliverer and deliverance were nearest. God may be coming with salvation and deliverance to his people when they, for the present, cannot discern it. Observe 6. When the disciples were in the saddest condition, one word from Christ revives them. It is sufficient support in all our afflictions to hear Christ's voice speaking to us and to enjoy his favorable presence with us. Say but, O Savior, it is I, and let evils do their worst. That one word, it is I, is sufficient to ally all storms and to calm a thousand tempests. Observe lastly, what influence and effect this miracle had upon the disciples. They were sore amazed and beyond measure astonished. They wondered at the ceasing of the winds and calming of the sea, but they had forgotten the miracle of the loaves, which was a great stupidity and dullness in them, and argued hardness of heart and want of consideration in them. Learn hence, that there is much stupidity of mind and hardness of heart remaining unmortified in the best of saints, while here, in an imperfect state, the work of grace and sanctification is but imperfect in the best. Verses 53 through 56. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genseret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about, and began to carry about in the beds those that were sick, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets, and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garments. And as many as touched him were made whole. Briquette Notes Observe here, 1. The unwearied diligence and industry of our Savior in going about to do good. He no sooner landeth, but he goeth to Genseret and heal their sick. It was the great business and constant employment of our Savior's life to travel from place to place that he might be useful and beneficial to mankind. He went to those that could not, and to those who would not, come to him. Observe, too, the people of Genseret's charity to their sick neighbors. They sent abroad to let all the country know that Christ, the great physician, was come amongst them. There is a duty of love and mercy which we owe unto those that are in affliction and misery, namely, to afford them the best help, relief, and succor we are able, both in their inward and outward afflictions. Observe 3. The suddenness and certainty of the cure. They touched him and were made whole. The healing virtue lay not in their fingers, but in their faith, or rather, in Christ whom their faith apprehended. <laughs>